it has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Questions unanswered. A world spiraling out of control. Does the Bible provide any word of hope? Is there anything that we can place our trust in? Is it possible that many Christians are looking for answers in the wrong place? In order to find answers, we turn to the only dependable source when it comes to answers for our day. In our last program, we left off in Daniel chapter 8 with the symbol of the goat, wondering what that goat represents. The angel of Daniel chapter 8 makes it very clear what that goat represents in Daniel chapter 8 and in verse 21. The male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. Now, in an amazing prediction of the prophetic word, we once again find the Greeks. The Greeks are symbolized by this goat. The symbol is the same as the midsection of brass or bronze from Daniel 2. It is the same as the four-headed, four-winged leopard of Daniel 7. And that large horn is the first king. That first king was Alexander the Great. And what an amazing prediction. As we see, the Greek Empire would rule from 331 B.C. to 168 B.C. Alexander the Great, as he conquered the Middle East, planned to rebuild the city of Babylon. He wanted to make it a provincial capital. And for two months, he assigned 10,000 men to work and clear away the debris for the rebuilding of Babylon. You know, when we look at history, it is very interesting to note. You see, in history... There were two different Persian kings, Darius I in 490 B.C. and Xerxes in 480 B.C. Both of them would unsuccessfully try to subdue Greece and they massacred many. The Greeks would not forget their national humiliation. You see, the Persians attacked the Greek Empire. They went to this small place called Macedonia there in Macedonia, there was a king by the name of Philip of Macedon. They tried to subdue the Greeks. They tried to conquer the Greeks. And in so doing, they killed many innocent men, women, and children. The Persians happened to be a very harsh people when it came to war. There was a young man amongst the Greek empire, a young Greek man, the son of Philip of Macedon, who lived there in Macedonia. His name was Alex. Young Alex would not forget the Persians and their attacks. Young Alex would become Alexander the Great, and he conquered the known world with such incredible speed, marching all the way to the valley of the Indus River in northwestern India. And how rightly symbolized by this goat who went across the surface of the earth without touching the ground. The Greeks pushed. They pushed to the east. They pushed to the west. They pushed all the way to India, conquering the known world faster than any other entity had ever done. 
There are many stories in history, but one of my particular favorites in the history of the Greeks is a battle, a battle where Alexander and his army were on one side of the river and Xerxes and his army were on the other side of the river. Now, Alexander and Xerxes were facing off and Alexander began riding his horse up and down the bank of the river. You see, his troops were outnumbered. It depends on the estimates. Some estimates say two to one. Other estimates say 10 to one. But the most important aspect of this is this. Alexander's armies were outnumbered at least by two to one. And Alexander began riding up and down the shores of that river. And his armies began to get welled up with excitement. And they all begin to roar, and then they cross the river toward the Persian armies. And at that time, the Persian armies, who outnumbered them two to one, turned and ran. Alexander was almost a mythological type individual. But the Bible says that his kingdom would break. In fact, it says he as a king would break. Now, the goat was a familiar figure, and it was found on Greek coins, and the original capital of Macedonia was Agi, to which Alexander the Great belonged, and there is similarity between the capital city word Agi and the Greek word Aegeus, which is the word for goat. It is no accident that God would use this symbol of a goat to represent the Greek empire. And so in an amazing prophecy of such particular detail, we see once again this book. This book, the Bible, can be trusted. We can see God putting his name on the line, saying, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, knowing the end from the beginning and things not yet done. You see, in amazing fashion, this book, this book is seen to be true. It demonstrates its truthfulness. Over two centuries before the Greeks began to conquer the world, the prophecy of Daniel 8 predicted that Alexander and his kingdom would be cut down while they were at the very height of their power. You see, because while Alexander had an amazing mastery over battle tactics, Alexander did not have mastery over himself. Alexander died a drunken mess and his kingdom was broken. Daniel chapter 8 and and verse 8 says these words, therefore the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken and in the place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. When Alexander was dying, he was asked by his generals, who shall get the kingdom? Who shall lead the kingdom, Alexander? And Alexander answered, He who is strongest. Needless to say, the empire was divided between the four generals, Cassander, Lysimachus, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. The mighty, mighty empire of Greece would simply be divided because the king was broken, just as the book of Daniel predicted. In the book, Alexander the Great by Theodore Munson, it says these words, each one wetted the sword against the other and the empire went down in a tangle of strife. 
You see, the generals could not communicate with one another. The generals could not get along with one another. And so the kingdom was divided. And in strife, it would go down. But the Bible goes on to say that something happens to this now broken and divided Greek empire. Daniel chapter 8 goes on to say, And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars of the ground and trampled upon them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts. And by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down because of transgression. An army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Now, the angel would go on and tell us exactly what all this means. A king shall arise having fierce features who understand sinister schemes. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. Now, what is happening here is very interesting. It wasn't until recently that it was understood that the Roman Empire actually emerged from the Western Greek Empire. The Roman Empire comes out as a horn power of the Western portion of the Greek Empire. And then out of this Western portion of the Greek Empire, this new Roman Empire, which we have seen in other prophecies, would simply divide. Out of that comes a church-state union. And here in Daniel chapter 8, you have the Medo-Persian ram, you have the Greek goat, and then you have Rome and the horn coming out. And then once again, a little horn entity, this little horn speaking blasphemous words against God, fighting against the prince of princes, fighting against God's people, this church-state union that goes against God. But the dream was not complete. Because then the angel visitor told Daniel in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Here's the problem that Daniel faced and we now face. The angel visitor gave to Daniel the interpretation of the ram and the interpretation of the goat. But he did not explain to him this mysterious 2,300-day prophecy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says as it, in, as it concludes Daniel chapter 8 and verse 27, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward I arose and I went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. The angel did not explain the vision to Daniel of the 2300 days. Daniel did not understand it. However, God does want us to understand his word. He doesn't want us to be in the dark. So here in Daniel chapter 8, God gives some remarkable clues as to what this mysterious 2,300 day prophecy, what it might mean. Now, as a reminder, what kind of animals did we have here in Daniel chapter 8? That's right. We had a ram and a goat. Then Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14 speaks of the sanctuary being cleansed. So I want you to look at that now. You have a ram, you have a goat, you have the sanctuary. It is an intriguing thing to see this reference to the sanctuary. You have the ram and the goat. Why is this all so intriguing? 
we see the ram and the goat were animals that were used as a part of the sacrificial system in the sanctuary, the very sanctuary that God asked the children of Israel to build as recorded in Exodus 25. But Daniel fainted and he was sick because he did not understand it. But Daniel would have been processing this, saying, Ram? Goat? Sanctuary? What, what is this all about? He would, have, he would have thought about this and then he would have said, oh, this is sanctuary imagery. This is temple imagery. And Daniel in his mind would have said this, ram, goat, sanctuary being cleansed. But God, there is no sanctuary because Solomon's temple was destroyed. Lord, when Babylon conquered Jerusalem, and the Bible says that Daniel indeed was confused, that Daniel did not understand. He was astonished by the vision. A ram, a goat, a sanctuary being cleansed, but no sanctuary on the earth. It left Daniel wondering, will the temple in Jerusalem be rebuilt? And is this the temple? Is this the sanctuary of concern in Daniel chapter 8? Is this the sanctuary? Is this the temple that is the focus of our attention in the last days? What is this 2300-day prophecy all about? What is God trying to tell us? I want to give you a little hint today because I'm not going to be able to answer that question with the time we have left in today's program. I will answer it, however, in coming programs. But here's the hint I want to give you. Although the earthly temple was destroyed in Daniel's day, although the earthly temple was rebuilt, and then again it was destroyed in 70 AD after Jesus had been crucified, after Jesus had died, and after Jesus had been buried and rose again. And today there is no existing temple in Jerusalem. What does all this mean? The Bible answers with absolute clarity. And here is the reality. God is actually directing our eyes to another temple. A temple that is not on this earth. A temple that is recorded in the book of Hebrews in chapter 8 and verses 1 and 2. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Friends, is it possible that Christianity has been duped? That Christianity has been duped into looking for a temple to be literally rebuilt in Jerusalem. But God is actually trying to draw our attention elsewhere. Could it be that Daniel writing 550 years before Jesus would come to this earth, that he was giving us a hint into what temple we needed to be looking to? Could it be possible that the fulfillment of this ram and this goat and the sanctuary being cleansed, could it be that God is speaking to us and telling us there is hope for our planet and that hope is to be found somewhere other than the literal Jerusalem where many eyes seem to be looking. Today Jesus has shared with us once again 
an outline of the history of the empires of this world fulfilled in exact precision. Today, God is saying, you can trust my word. You can trust my word. And if you can trust my word, I know the kingdoms of this world. I know them before they came to power. And if we can trust his word, friends, we can trust that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he said he did, and he will do what he says he's going to do, and that is to come and take us home. Jesus today is appealing through this prophecy of Daniel 8. And the question simply is this, will you listen? Now we will fully answer the question of what do these 2300 days mean and I will tell you, my friends, what you have in store is one of the most hopeful messages in the entirety of the scriptures. Today, Jesus reaches out his hand and says, you can trust my word. And if you can trust my word, you can trust me. Come to me. Come to me and I will save you. Come to me and find rest in me. Come to me and I'll rescue you from all the troubles that you face. Come to me all the trials, all the tribulations, the problems that we face, the financial struggles, come to me and I will give you hope for today. Come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and enjoy life to its fullest. Come to me and experience life and life more abundantly. The abundant life, friends, is a gift that Jesus offers. The abundant life of experiencing the joy of Jesus saving us from our sins. Today, would you like to say, Jesus, I want to experience this life of abundance that you are offering. When I think I'm going under, part the waters, Lord. When I feel the waves around me, calm the sea. When I cry for help, oh, hear me, Lord, and hold out your hand. Touch my life, still the raging storm in me. No tender voice like that 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have given us Jesus and that you have given us these prophecies. And at the very central core of understanding Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome, right at the core is the promise that Jesus is coming soon to rescue us from all these problems and challenges. Oh Lord, we pray that Jesus would come soon but most of all, we pray, dear Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would prepare us to be ready to meet Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. packing in your child's lunchbox. One of the hot topics in the news lately is childhood obesity. There are many reasons why our children are getting bigger weight-wise. For one thing, our children are driven everywhere. They're just not moving as much as previous generations of children. As well, with all the technological advances we've embraced as a society, such as dishwashers and laundry machines, our children don't have to do the same kinds of physically demanding chores their grandparents may have had to do. Our sedentary lifestyle at home, school, and work is simply creating a larger population. Plus, serving sizes of food have increased, and our children are consuming more fast food, which means more calories, more fat, more weight, more health problems. Most children are not eating enough vegetables, fruits, beans, or whole grains. So, when you're packing your child's lunchbox, here are some great tips from Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, one of my favorite healthy lifestyle organizations. First of all, sandwiches are always good. Try hummus or another bean spread with sliced tomatoes, cucumbers, and shredded carrots in a pita bread. I've got here half a pita. We'll put in some lovely hummus, and then just add the tomato to that. We're going to put in some of the cucumber and then some lettuce and some nice curly carrots. Look at that. It's so pretty. There you have it. Veggies in a blanket. It looks and tastes so good. And, or you know what? You could also stuff in some falafel balls to add more protein. Many stores are selling vegan deli slices that look and taste like bologna, roast beef, and turkey. You can serve these on whole grain bread with soy cheese, condiments of your choice, lettuce, and tomato like we have here. Peanut butter is an old standby. Or you can try another nut butter such as cashew, almond, or hazelnut with sliced bananas on whole wheat bread like I've got here. Do you know how delicious that is? Or try an avocado and tomato sandwich like we have here. So good for you. 
How about a hot meal? Fill a wide mouth thermos with leftover pasta and tomato sauce or rice and beans or how about a nice vegetarian chili? Now soup is so comforting. Warm your child with a hearty bean and vegetable soup or stew. If you're short on time, try a low sodium instant soup. Just stir hot water into the soup mix and pour it into a thermos. And add some side dishes. Choose a couple of the following suggestions to complete your child's meal. Individual boxes of soy or rice milk, soy yogurt such as I have here, you can add chopped vegetables and hummus like we've got here, or breads or crackers, homemade muffins, rice cakes, pretzels, or fresh fruit. In fact, always include a fresh fruit. For more ideas, visit the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine website at pcrm.org. They've got lots of great resources, including their Nutrition for Kids booklet with delicious recipes your kids will love, like the veggies in the blanket, pita pizzas, and strawberry smoothies. Yum! I'll see you next time. You know, friends, sometimes understanding prophecy can be a difficult thing and we need the assistance of Bible teachers and I want to offer to you today the focus on prophecy lessons. These lessons will walk you through the prophecies of Daniel and the prophecies of Revelation. Now, in addition to the focus on prophecy lessons, I want to offer to you a magazine called Daniel and Revelation the secret of Bible prophecy revealed. This magazine goes step by step through the major prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. Here is the information you need to receive today's offers. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H, 7v4. The book of Daniel is filled with hope and the prophecies that we have studied and the prophecy of today, Daniel chapter 8, tells us God has a plan. Friends, if you would like to know more about God's plan, we want to give you resources to build your spiritual library, to draw nearer to Jesus and to see his plan. I'd invite you to go to our webpage, itiswrittencanada.ca, and there you'll find a number of different resources, Bible studies that will help you to see that Jesus has this world in his hands. Friend, I hope you enjoyed today's program. I want to encourage you to join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.